This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Hey, cat lovers, welcome to Nine Lives with Dr. Cat. I'm your host, Dr. Katherine Prim, and I'm a veterinarian, which of course makes sense because a veterinarian is the best kind of doctor to talk with you about cats. Now, the most fun thing about doing this show is getting the opportunity to teach cat owners about cats and answer their questions about the feline world in general. One of the best ways to learn is to create a kind of a two-way conversation with you. So I would love to hear from you. If you could find me on social media, Facebook, Google+, Twitter, or Instagram, the easiest way to do that is to go to my website, which is drprim.com. Now that's an easy one because it's D-R-P-R-I-M-M.com. And on it, there are tiny little icons you can click on to find me, pick your social media poison and find me, and comment what you want to learn about and what you want to know and what your questions are. So find me, follow me, and email me. I want to know what is interesting and important to you. Now, I said that a veterinarian is the best type of doctor to talk to you about cats, but today I'm taking it a step further because we're going to talk about cat surgery. And so with me today is Dr. Courtney Campbell, who is a veterinarian and a surgeon. So he knows a few things about cat surgery. And we're going to find out five things you need to know about cat surgery and maybe some things you need to know after cat surgery. We'll be right back with Dr. Courtney after a quick message from our sponsors. Hi, friends. This is Dr. Marty Becker, America's veterinarian. After a traumatic experience at the veterinary office, have you ever thought to yourself, there has to be a better way? When your veterinarian is fear-free certified, you'll find your pet's vet visit is safer, more comfortable, and actually enjoyable. Your dog will go from shaking in the lobby to pulling you into the exam room with a wagon tail, and your cat will be purring inside the carrier. To find a certified fear-free veterinarian near you, go to fearfreepets.com. Tired of wasting money on giant bags, boxes, and jugs of litter that don't last? Switch to World's Best Cat Litter, the only litter that lets you use less and get more. World's Best Cat Litter uses the concentrated power of corn to deliver outstanding odor control and easy cleanup. It's lightweight, 99% dust-free, and pet, people, and planet-friendly. It's even flushable. Make the switch to World's Best Cat Litter and save $2. Visit www.saveonworldsbest.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Hi, welcome back to Nine Lives with Dr. Cat. And I have with me Dr. Courtney Campbell, who is a veterinary surgeon. Welcome, Dr. Courtney. Thanks so much for having me, Dr. Prim. It's amazing to be here because one of my favorite things to do is talk to you, but then the second favorite thing to do is talk about surgery. So we're getting to combine both of those right now. So I'm, I'm in a really good place right now. 
Well, great. We're so happy to have you. And I think that our cat owners might feel a little nervous if they have a cat that is sort of destined to have a surgical procedure. And I feel like you're an excellent resource to kind of put their minds at ease. Can you kind of delve into that for us? Well, I certainly can. I kind of look at all of us a little bit as experts, knowing the emotions going into a surgical procedure, because all of us have had some type of medical procedure, even if it's just a simple blood draw, even if it's just a simple appointment going to the doctor, you know that feeling where your heart starts pounding, your pores open up, you start sweating a little bit, because you're not exactly sure what's going to happen. I mean, you know, true confessions here, but I can get really nervous when I'm going to the dentist, regardless of what's taking place. And certainly that was the case during my wisdom teeth removal. So I understand that when you see a doctor, you can get really nervous very, very quickly. Now, just imagine for all the kitty cat owners out there, if you don't understand what your doctor is saying, you don't understand what they're doing to you. Sometimes it can be nervous. On the other hand, If you look at it from an optimistic standpoint, hopefully some kitty cats are blissfully unaware of the surgical procedure they're about to have. So I will just say, simply say this, if you know that experience that you are getting anxious before going into a doctor, then you understand what some kitty cats might be going through. And so it's going to be so important that you as a pet parent are calm and relaxed going into the procedure for your cat because then they'll know, they'll say, oh, mom and dad are calm. So I'll be calm. And I think that there's some tried and true ways to, number one, be super calm. And I always start out with one, be a know-it-all. That's not a problem when you're going in to see the doctor. I would love to know from your standpoint, Dr. Prim, if you find that you can delve into topics a little deeper if there's more understanding from the part of the pet parent. Do you find that to be true? Oh, absolutely. And the kinds of questions that they can ask me really lead me to give them even more information. And I think that knowledge is power and being able to be calm comes from knowing what you're up against. 100% I agree with you. I mean, here's a classic example. And I don't want to get too graphic here, but one of my friends recently had her dog neutered. Now, the dog was a little bit older at the time of the neuter. And the neuter procedure went fantastic. Everything went extremely well. The doggy's recovering great. But she texted me a picture. Again, I don't want to be too graphic here, but where the testicles used to be, something called the scrotum. And underneath the picture, she says, I thought he was supposed to be neutered. And the reason she gave me that question is because in that area where the testicles were supposed to be, it was still swollen. So she didn't understand that it's going to take some time for that area to resolve and go down and remodel and become flat again and look like normal. And so to uh, an untrained eye, it may look like, did they even do the surgery? Because I still see an area that looks like there's still testicles there. So that's a classic example of don't be afraid to know everything about the procedure before going in. Know what things should look like before know what things should look like afterwards, know what what actually is being done. I do, to be honest with you, I the most common thing I do is knee surgery. We do a lot, a lot of knee surgery. And sometimes I'll hear people say, you know, my dog's getting a knee replacement. Well, that's not actually the case. We're helping to repair a ligament that's torn in the knee called the ACL. And it's important to know that we're repairing the ligament and that your dog's not getting a knee replacement because those are two totally different things. And so I don't have a problem at all with a pet parent who comes in 
who's been reading a lot on the internet, who's been reading a lot of books, because sometimes I can help dispel some of those myths. Sometimes I can help reinforce some of the facts that they have. So please be a know-it-all because it only empowers your doctor, in this case, Dr. Prim, to get even deeper into the discussion because they sense that, okay, excellent. There's a background of knowledge here. So I, I think I absolutely love that when people are very well informed. I love that. And when I talk to other veterinarians, they're like, oh, uh, but but I love that because then it gives me a chance to to confront the things that aren't accurate. And so I love that. I would encourage all of our listeners, be educated, ask questions. There is no harm in asking questions. And if your veterinarian doesn't welcome questions, then you might not have a good fit. I completely agree because on the other hand, it's so challenging to remember everything. And so sometimes repetition is key. If you've read, let's say your kitty cat happens to have stones in the bladder, the kitty cat, unfortunately, the genetics have caused them to pull minerals out of the diet and make into little stones and the little stones are in the bladder and that's really painful. So those stones must come out. And so it needs surgery to get those stones out. If you are unaware that after bladder surgery, you sometimes can see bloody urine, it can cause some panic when you get home where you see your kitty cat posture in the litter box and all of a sudden there's a red puddle. That for some pet parents is really distressing. While if you read on the internet and you heard from your doctor and you see in the discharge instructions, three different places that say, if your kitty cat has an operation on the bladder, there may be a little bit of bloody urine after the procedure. If you see that three times, it can definitely put your mind at ease and make you much more calm and relaxed, particularly during the recovery. So again, what you said, I think is absolutely the essence of what I'm trying to say. Knowledge is power and it helps keep everybody, including your kitty cat, calm. I think that another part of the stress is maybe a fear of anesthesia. And I don't have a fear of anesthesia. I'm sure you don't either because statistically speaking, anesthetic mishaps, although they, they get a lot of press and it's very scary, they really are not very common. So I think that it is important for our cat parents to know that the risk of there being a horrible anesthetic incident is very small. What do you think about that? Most definitely. The number is actually one in 10,000. And to be honest with you, I knock on wood, but I certainly have lost a patient or had a patient have issues under anesthesia in close to eight to 10 years. And some of these patients who are going to have challenges with anesthesia are unfortunately really ill going into the procedure. Kitty cats love to eat rubber bands. They love to eat string. They love to eat things that are in a line like dental floss or string or things like that. And the medical term for that when they ingest something in a line is called a linear foreign body, meaning it's something that's not supposed to be in the body and it's in a line. Unfortunately, linear foreign bodies are really dangerous and they can cause a lot of damage to the intestine and make kitty cats sick. So going into a procedure like that, I am definitely going to expect some challenges going into anesthesia. But for a young, healthy kitty cat, again, the risk is super low. But I always spend a little bit more time talking about anesthesia because that is what I find gives pet parents the most trepidation. So 
Let's take, for example, just off the top of our head, one of the most one of the most tried and true instructions before going into anesthesia. One of the common axioms in veterinary medicine: no food or water after midnight. I think everybody's heard that, particularly from their human physician and from their veterinarian. And one of the reasons why we always say no food or water after midnight is because we're worried about regurgitation or where some of that food will come up through the esophagus or food pipe and you'll inhale it into your lungs. Aspiration pneumonia is extremely dangerous on the human side and the kitty cat side, on the dog side. No doctor wants to see aspiration pneumonia. And so a lot of times they will ask you to restrict food and water after midnight. But there's some interesting research coming out showing that prolonged fasting or not giving them any food for 12 hours could actually cause some types of regurgitation. So before you go changing what your doctor recommends, always ask them. Remember, knowledge is power. Say I've been reading some certain studies recently showing that if you feed them a tiny, tiny amount three or four hours before the procedure, it can actually help move things in the right direction away from the stomach down the rest of the gastrointestinal tract to prevent regurgitation. So talk to your doctor about it because now potentially you have the knowledge. So that's just one common thing that we've started to learn a little bit about when it comes to anesthesia. And then as far as people or pet parents out there who are afraid of their kitty cat going under anesthesia, remember this. If you're nervous about it or you're focused on it, your doctor and their staff is hypervigilant when it comes to that. If you are a worried pet parent and you're nervous about anesthesia, we are super, super focused on it because it doesn't help your kitty cat. It doesn't help you. It doesn't help the hospital for a kitty cat to have any challenges under anesthesia. The goal, I'm curious for you, Dr. Prem, too, is the goal is always for every procedure to go smoothly, correct? Absolutely. Yeah, I certainly think that. Now, the one thing that I always, I always talk about, too, and this is particularly important in cats, and I'm going to get into some terminology here, but I think it's so important to remember this. There's a difference between a kitty cat who is painful and a kitty cat who is dysphoric. Now, that may be a really foreign word to some people. What is dysphoria? Kitty cats, sometimes when you give them certain medications, medications designed for pain, one that comes to mind is an opioid or something like a morphine-like drug to help with pain. Sometimes it can make them vocalize. It can make them talk. They seem disoriented. Their pupils are really wide and they kind of seem out of sorts on cloud nine. And it's a challenge for veterinarians and for pet parents to decide, is my kitty cat painful or is my kitty cat dysphoric or experiencing that sort of, I feel weird feeling after given a pain medication. So I think it's important to talk with your veterinarian about that after the surgery and say, you know, I've been reading a little bit about pain versus dysphoria. And I know it's really common in cats. Is there something that I should do or something I should know going into this procedure in case my kitty cat becomes painful or in case my kitty cat becomes dysphoric? And really quickly, how do I know if my kitty cat's in pain? I think some people might want to know that because kitty cats don't always show pain. Some kitty cats, if it's, on a, if it's a condition affecting a leg, they may limp. Some cats may hide. Some cats may vocalize, but rarely. And just some cats may just withdraw or tremble from their environment. And then a cat who's dysphoric or feeling anxious, they may, like I said, talk a lot, 
pace seem out of sorts. They don't seem mentally like they're there. So I always bring up that particular topic because I do think that it affects kitty cats a little more frequently than it affects dogs. So I think just to kind of keep with our theme of the five things you need to know, number one, anything that you can do to remain calm and put your fears at ease will help everyone involved. And then we sort of segued into number two, which is ask about anesthetic options and talk about all the things surrounding the medications and the safe administration of anesthesia is the second part. And I feel like your veterinarian plays a very important role beyond what you just immediately think of through anesthetic monitoring and educating you about what to expect with these medications. If you don't feel comfortable and safe with what's going on, you just have to ask. Yeah, 100%. And I'm so glad you brought up medications because that is my little soapbox. I really am super energized and so happy. It puts a smile on my face when I speak to pet parents and I ask them, what medications is your pet on? And they are able to at least say the names. You don't have to remember the milligram strength. Sometimes the frequency of the medications may get lost in the mix because we have so many things to remember. But when I have a pet parent who remembers the name of the medication, it makes me so happy. And I have to stress that to all pet parents who are listening. And I know a lot are listening to you, Dr. Prim. If you can, please remember the name of medications. Now, you might say, well, Doc, isn't it in the record? Don't you guys have a record of that? And we absolutely do. But a couple of things to remember. What's happening in the record isn't always what's happening at home. And you and I both know from years of handling these amazing four-legged fur balls that getting a pill or medication into a cat is not always easy. So what you have in the record and what's actually happening at home, wouldn't you agree? Sometimes they're two different things. Absolutely. And I say to my clients, you bring me the bag of everything that you are giving or want to give because there are herbal things, there are supplements, there are vitamins that pet owners may not realize could have a role in what we've got to do surgically that day. 100%. And you're right. Know everything that not only know the names of the medications that your pet is going to get, but also disclose any other supplements that your pet is going to have, whether it be ginkgo biloba or omega-3 fatty acids. A classic example that you so deftly alluded to is the, the idea of supplements. Sometimes omega-3 fatty acids will decrease your cat's ability to stop bleeding. And as a surgeon, I don't like when things are bleeding. So when you have a kitty cat who is pumped full of omega-3 fatty acids, which are a great thing, but sometimes they can be inimical to the bleeding process, that's not what we want. We want your kitty cat to be off of all supplements, all other medications that are not a part of the surgery. Things that your kitty cat needs, of course, like thyroid medication or insulin, of course, you have to keep those regimented. But definitely disclose to your doctor about any other supplements that your kitty cat is on. So I would say number three is medications. Please know the names. Please know or disclose any sort of supplements 
that your kitty cat is on because there's amazing pet parents giving their cats things out of love and uh, to keep them healthy. And I think that's wonderful. But sometimes when it comes to surgery, that's a game changer. We don't want that. Well, Dr. Courtney, we just need to take a quick little break to hear a word from our sponsors. And we'll come right back and continue with the five things you need to know if your cat is going to have surgery. Molly, here's your dinner. Zeus, that's not your food. Don't let that happen to your precious cat. Elevate your cat's eating experience with the Cat Tree Tray. The Cat Tree Tray keeps your cat's food off the floor and conveniently located on the cat tree. It's the perfect way to eat. It's a beautiful wrought iron tray that easily attaches to your cat tree and keeps dogs and other critters out of your cat's dish. A must for multi-pet households. There's a 6-inch tray for large bowls and a 4-inch tray for smaller bowls. Purchase your Cat Tree Tray today. Go right now to CatTreeTray.com. That's CatTreeTray.com. C-A-T-T-R-E-E-T-R-A-Y.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Nine Lives with Dr. Cat here on Pet Life Radio. And we're here with Dr. Courtney Campbell talking about things you need to know before your cat has surgery or even surrounding your cat's surgery. We've talked about how all cat owners need to be a know-it-all. And we've talked a little bit about things that you can do to help ease your concerns regarding anesthesia and staying calm, helping your cat stay calm. And I'd like to go over that just a little bit more because, Dr. Courtney, I am the world's first fear-free certified professional. So staying calm and having pets stay calm is sort of a mission of mine. So I know that's why it's so amazing to talk to you right now. (laughs) Well, so I really am a huge believer in pre-medicating pets before they come in for surgery with anxiety medications and just sort of including those as a part of my anesthetic protocol. Is that something that you've seen a benefit from? Listen, it benefits no one to have a kitty cat who's stressed out of their mind coming into the hospital. And so they certainly do this on the human side. And I think it's so smart to do it on the veterinary side. If you have a kitty cat who is extremely fearful, so fearful that it turns into aggression, how is that benefiting the cat? Absolutely not. So we want, and at least my goal, and and as a fear-free professional yourself, you have a much deeper understanding of this when compared to your, uh, you know, your other vets and your other peer group. But the goal is make sure that everyone has a good experience and your kitty cat is at the top of the list when it comes to prioritizing who has a good experience. Part of that is let's take the edge off a little bit. If you're nervous and so nervous that you want to go for your veterinarian's jugular vein with your canine teeth, that's not cool. So what we do a lot of times is use medications to help. Now, you could ask if you are more of on the natural side, you could ask your veterinarian for natural alternatives. I haven't found those to be as predictable and reliable in terms of results, but certainly those are alternatives too. 
other pharmaceuticals seem to have more predictable and reliable results. And we have a, a full panoply of different things to choose from, whether it be acepromazine, trazodone, dexmedetomidine. And I mean, there's a whole variety of them, but I think that's a good starting place. Take the edge off before you get into the hospital. Well, and if you use herbal supplements and that kind of thing, it's a little bit harder for your veterinarian to account for the predictability of that when it comes time to calculate the anesthetic protocol. So I would say that certainly herbal and natural calming things have a place and I use the heck out of them. But in the case of an acute stressful event like a surgery, ask your veterinarian to, to actually prescribe something that can be accounted for in the anesthetic protocol. 100%. And, and as you can tell, I think that particularly you and I, we are extremely open-minded when it comes to different alternative therapies. But I think that what's important is please integrate us as your medical professionals into the process so that if you're making decisions at home, that's great. I love people making great, wonderful decisions. But if you can incorporate your doctor into the process, they may say, you know what? That's wonderful. I love lavender. But because we're about to have a major surgery, this is probably a better solution for that. So I think that that's so important. I love lavender too. <laughs> Yeah. But not. I've got not, some right here at home, so it all works. It helps for me too. Well, I, you know, and I and we implement all kinds of things. They even have a study. I bet you know this already. They even have a study that shows if you listen to classical music during your surgical procedure, you can actually decrease the amount of the anesthetic agents required to maintain a surgical plane of anesthesia. So we have uh, aromatherapy and music going on all the time. So I just think that's so cool. Yeah, we certainly do. And now that study you just alluded to, is that for humans or for kitty cats? I actually think it was a dog study, but it oh, was. Oh, was it? Um, okay, because was I was just about humans. to say, I was just about to say, I recently saw a study on dogs about that. And so I was wondering if, you know, and it makes sense because, listen, I, I love our human physician brothers and sisters on the other side because they usually start a particular study and then we take a look at that and then sort of extrapolate, apply, or copy it. And so I'm sure that they investigated that on the human side and then said, well, would it work for dogs and cats? And I recently saw a study on dogs. So you and I both saw the same one and that's so true. It has classical music. Now, they didn't mention any other type of music, too. So I think we're going to have to definitely see if they like, you know, dogs and cats like bluegrass or country or anything like that. So we'll, well have dogs to like that. reggae. Did you see reggae? Yes. Yeah. That's, that's it right there. Oh, man. Well, listen, I think I, as a surgeon, we get really focused over the technical aspects. What is actually happening during the surgery? But over time, I've realized that pet parents are a little less focused on that. They don't really want to know joint angles and measurements and geometry. I find that the, one of the most important questions that they want to know is this. What should I expect when I get home? And so that's number four for me. Knowing what you should expect when you get home, I think, in my opinion, is as if I could give anything else but my opinion. But I think it is the most important question you can ask as a pet parent. Because certainly, as a veterinarian, we can get really nerdy and focused on the science, but that's less of a concern because pet parents are like, I'm going to be the one living with this family member, so I need to figure out what kinds of things that I should be doing. And because I do a lot of orthopedic surgery, two things that I'm focused on is, number one, keeping that incision from the surgery clean and dry. 
And this is just a note for all the pet parents out there. We, Dr. Prim and I, we recognize that you don't want your kitty cat to wear a cone collar or what we call an e-collar, otherwise known as Elizabethan collar. But if I can make one suggestion, please keep it on. And the reason I say that is because if you have a condition that needs surgery, that's just one condition. But if your cat licks at the incision, the surgical incision, and now has an infected wound, now we have two conditions. So we've changed one condition into two simply because your kitty cat likes to stay clean and wants to groom. And when they start grooming, that's great. We love clean kitty cats. But when they groom the surgery site, that's no good. And so all I can suggest as my number one thing is if your cat is tolerant, meaning doesn't flip out, doing alligator rolls and it's highly stressed, if they're tolerant of the collar, please keep it on for at least as long as your doctor recommends. And that way you avoid changing one problem into two problems. In your experience, Dr. Prim, have you seen challenges with pet parents keeping e-collars on their cats? I have. And I would say I would even take it a step further than you. Even if, if your cat's doing the alligator rolls because of the e-collar, that doesn't mean take the e-collar off. That means pick up the phone, call your veterinarian and say, my cat is not tolerating this collar. What can we do? Because not having the collar is not an option because licking the wound is a no, no. Yeah, I'm so glad that you took it a step further because I firmly agree with you. Not having the collar is simply not an option. And I think everybody who's listening to you loves cats enough to know what it feels like to be licked by a kitty cat. Those barbs on the tongue, and it's rough, and those barbs are rough. And some scientists have postulated or theorized that those barbs are an original adaptation to help with grooming, but also to help lick meat off of bones. So if a kitty cat could potentially lick meat off of bones with the barbs in their tongue, imagine what they can do to a delicate surgery site. So that, I think, is so, so important. But the second thing that I, I pop into my mind is I used to have a phrase called no crate, no date. And what that meant was if you didn't have a, a crate, then we wouldn't schedule a surgery date to fix a ligament or fix an orthopedic problem. And the reason why is a lot of times we would do these wonderful surgeries and then I would see them afterwards and I would say, oh, wow, things are going well. Are they recovering in their little crate? You know, doc, I never bought the crate and I don't really have it. And he kind of runs around the house and my face just falls into my palms. I'm like, no. And so I asked them, take a picture of the crate that you have before we go and schedule a surgery date. No crate, no date. Now, of course, I've softened on that. But the truth is this. If you are about to schedule a procedure, and, and some, most of the time this applies to doggies, but it can certainly apply to cats as well. If there's an orthopedic condition or any sort of intestinal procedure or any procedure and that your doctor is going to recommend that your kitty cat be restricted in an empty room, in a crate, in some sort of confined environment. Make sure that your kitty cat can do that before going into the surgery. You definitely don't want to have the procedure and then discover, I don't think I'd be able to restrict my cat or prevent them from going outside or something like that. So I always say with number four, know what to expect when you get home. Are there any lifestyle changes? Will you need to ice the incision? Will you need to clean the incision, apply heat or cold? Will they need to be recovered in a crate? All of these, I find, are by far the most important things to know. Are there going to be lifestyle changes when your cat comes home? 
And does your cat need physical therapy? Which is, I actually have a lot of clients very open to this, but I love that. Do you have an opinion about physical therapy? Because I like it. I love it. I, I think it's one of the best modalities to help out. And I find that kitty cats who regardless of whatever condition they have, uh, if it's an orthopedic condition like bone or joint, or let's say they pulled a muscle, or let's say they recently had hip surgery. Some kitty cats can fracture bones on their hips, particularly at growth plates. That's very, very common. And so hip surgeries are extremely common in kitty cats, especially young kitty cats. We always recommend exercise and rehab. And the first thing that people say is, exercise, my kitty cat? How do I do that? And again, I know that we're running short on time, but just really quickly, we'll run through some common exercise things to do with your kitty cat because it allows you to spend more time with them. Number one, you can certainly find an interactive toy and put their meal ration in there. If they happen to get, you know, a quarter cup of food, of dry food, then that goes into that interactive toy. So now they have to play with the toy and occasionally it will spit out some of their meal ration and it allows them to exercise while they're eating. Two, something to help climbing, that they, if they enjoy climbing. Of course, I love laser games, feather games, that play with your kitty cat, but there are certified rehab professionals out there who will indulge in massage, laser, and other modalities, electrical stimulation, stretching, to help improve your cat's function regardless of what the case is. So again, I think physical rehab is great. And of course, because I'm in California, I do see a lot of cats on a harness going out for a walk. So it's not uncommon to see cats outside going for a walk out here. Well, and so in our, um, our last tip area, we talked about crates and then we talked about exercise. So I want to be super clear. What we mean is follow your veterinarian's instructions because postoperatively, there will be a combination of exercise restriction and then controlled exercise. So make sure that you understand the discharge instructions because it'll say restriction for X number of days and then move forward into physical therapy or whatever. So it's not all or nothing and it's not Crating for the next, you know, however many weeks, unless that's what your instructions say. 100%. And those discharge instructions should go right on your refrigerator with a magnet. I completely agree with that. Make sure you're familiar with your discharge instructions. If your veterinarian has a little bit, uh, a few tidbits that they've added that they didn't type into the discharge instructions or write on the discharge instructions, you take notes yourself with the old-fashioned pen and paper and add those addendums into the discharge instructions and then put them right on your refrigerator, and that way they're always there. And that leads me to my number five, I would say. What else should be on your refrigerator? An emergency number. So if your kitty cat has a procedure at their primary veterinarian and now there, there's a challenge overnight and you do need to go to an emergency facility, their number should be clearly accessible and it should be easily accessible. The route to get to the emergency hospital, you should know that before going into the procedure. That would be great. And then number three, I would love to have a friend for emergency situations because so the number, the route and having a friend, those would all be important as part of my number five emergency hotline. Because the last thing you want to be doing if your cat is having a challenge is scrambling things together, 
so that you can attend to your kitty cat and drive all at the same time. And certainly we don't want you waiting for Uber. So these are things that I think we should probably know going into the procedure. I can't stress that enough. No one, no one wants your cat to have an emergency challenge or have an emergency event after a procedure, but it happens. And if you've been in this profession long enough, you know that cats are amazing creatures and things can change dramatically and very quickly. And so having that emergency safeguard is always helpful. Also, I think it's important, this sort of brings up something I wanted to discuss. Ask whether or not your pet needs to be hospitalized postoperatively for pain control and um, activity restriction because some of these situations and surgical procedures really do need overnight hospitalization. So make sure you understand the procedure and how long the recovery period will be and what will be required immediately post-op as well. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I can't tell you, and I know, Dr. Prim, you've heard the same thing is, can I bring him home after surgery? And of course, we want you to spend as much time as you can with your loved one. That's our, always our goal. We want to get them home. But a lot of times, what we can give in the hospital is a little bit more powerful than what you can give at home. And so if your doctor recommends that your kitty cat stay overnight, it's probably for a very good reason. So we want to get them home. We want you to spend time with them. And we get how challenging it is for you when you say, literally, doc, this cat and I have never spent a night apart. We get it. Trust me. But when doctors make the recommendation to spend time overnight, it's because they know it's probably going to be best for your kitty cat. So let's run through these things again for everyone. Number one, be a know-it-all. Ask questions. Absolutely. And number two is ask about your anesthetic options and don't feel, did I get that out of order? No, you definitely got it right. I would say know-it-all is definitely number one. Number two, ask about anesthesia because that's what most people are worried about. So ask them all the things that you need to know, what medications go before and after and what are the risks and that sort of thing. Particularly, we brought up an example of eating or drinking before surgery. So that's also something to ask your doctor. Number three, know the names of your medications. I can't stress that enough because in an emergency scenario, your primary vet may not be open. So it's so important for you to know the names of the medications. And then you brought up a really important example, Dr. Prim, and a really important tidbit is bring the bag of medications so that we know the names of all of them and let us know which ones you weren't able to get into your kitty cat and also disclose any supplements. Number four, of course, be Stay calm. calm. Yes, be calm. <laughs> because as a fear-free professional, Dr. Prim, you are a specialist in this arena, which is to keep your kitty cat calm. But you have to start with yourself because if you're not calm, your kitty cat is not going to be calm. And then, of course, number five, by far, is one of the most important. It was something we all dread, but it's something to have on the top of your list have an emergency contact list on your refrigerator, the number, the route, and of course, a friend to help you out in case you need that. If your emergency hospital is not close by, ask your primary vet, what should I do in case of an emergency? Well, and I think that all pet owners really need to know that planning can make a much better outcome. So, 
think through, ask questions, ask your veterinarian what's going to happen here, what can I plan, knowing the route to your emergency center, that's planning, knowing whether or not you need a crate and then buying one, that's planning. So, so anticipating what might be coming and trying to do whatever you can to make that not be a panic value of, oh no, I forgot this or that. I think that's really the number one thing. I agree. Those who plan will have a much better experience for themselves and for their kitty cat. If you plan this out, everything will go smoothly. How long do I need to keep the e-collar on? Where's the emergency hospital? How long do I need to do this? What lifestyle changes? This will be stress-free. And those who don't plan, I worry that their experience may be filled with stress or fear, neither of which we want. Absolutely not. Well, this has been really fun. And as you said, I think we could just talk for, for days about all Of course all we can. Well, I think you and I could probably talk for semesters about this because we <laughs> probably have before. But I would like to thank you for joining us for sure. I'd love to have you back on Nine Lives with Dr. Kat on Pet Life Radio. I also want to thank our producer, Mark Winter, for always being wonderful and helping us put together this show for everyone. Mark and is fantastic. Also, everybody, look look me up on the social media and on my website and tell me what you want to hear from us because that's, that's really fun. Dr. Courtney and I really love making sure that we talk about the things that are most relevant to our cat lovers out in the world. And thank you, everyone, for joining us. I hope you have a perfect day. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.